Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, May 29th, 2021. Well, today we come across really one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. And even just as we think about it that way, we might be tempted to think, well, then let's just skip it. Uh, But that's not what we're going to do, and that's not what we should do, because God has put things in the Bible that aren't necessarily fun to read, but sometimes serious, sobering things so that we might learn. We've seen already, as we looked at 1 Corinthians 10, or as we've looked at Romans 15, and been reminded that these things that have happened, these things that have been written down in the Old Testament even, have been written for our instruction, that we might learn. So today, even though it's a sad story in a sad chapter, God wants us to learn from it so that we might not make the same mistake and that we might not uh, suffer the same consequences as a result. And the chapter that I'm talking about is 2 Samuel chapter 11. Today, we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And if you've noticed, 2 Samuel so far has been going really well. Right? David finally becomes king and you know his kingdom is established and the ark is brought back to Jerusalem and David is having victory over uh, his enemies. He's showing kindness to Mephibosheth. But the rest of 2 Samuel is going to have a very different feel. It's going to be returned to something that feels more like a struggle and, and lots of pain. And that is all going to shift with what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it tells a familiar story. It tells the story of David and Bathsheba. And you're probably familiar with the basics of the story. David, he goes out on his roof and he sees a beautiful woman bathing and he goes and has that woman brought to him and he commits adultery with this woman who was married. And then uh, we, we see what pretty much always happens with sexual sin. It needs to be covered up. And that's why even God in his sovereignty, he allowed this adulterous relationship to result in a pregnancy that Bathsheba was now pregnant with a child. And so David tries to use deception and tries to cover it up here. And that's a lot of what we read with the interactions of him and Uriah. He's trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife so that, hey, when she's pregnant, no one will be any wiser and the sin can be covered up. But God really uses even the integrity of Uriah to keep that from happening. So now David has to go uh, to cover up his sin, not just to deception, but to murder. And he really sets up the battle and instructs Joab to do this, to set up the battle in such a way that Uriah will be killed. And so we see David commit adultery. We see the deception trying to cover it up. And ultimately, we see murder. And this is a very sad chapter. And it should remind all of us, I think even in particular, of the potentially devastating consequences of sexual sin. That sexual sin promises so much pleasure, but really ends up delivering so much pain. And we're going to be seeing that pain uh, pretty much for the rest of the book of 2 Samuel. 
And we start to see it even in our reading today, because then 2 Samuel chapter 12 really gets into the follow-up. And the prophet Nathan, who we've already seen interacting with David, uh, he comes to David and confronts him about this sin. And he tells him this story of, uh, you know, a rich man and then a poor man. And the poor man just had one little ewe lamb. And the rich man comes in and takes this lamb away from that man. And David gets so upset by the story that he says, that guy ought to die. Well, this is when Nathan famously says, you are the man. Now, most of us guys, I think when someone says, hey, you the man, we appreciate that. Not so much in this case. When Nathan says to David, hey, you the man, uh, he's not saying it in a positive way. He's saying you are this wicked person in this story that I have just told you. And so we think about the dangers of sexual sin, and we're going to see that then in the consequences that Nathan is going to describe, but I think we also see some of the ways of really preventing it. And David is pictured as the rich man in that parable of Nathan, not just so it can be the setup, right? But Nathan's really trying to point out even to David, hey, God has been really good to you. And look how Nathan kind of starts the rebuke. You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? And there we See, God starts by reminding him, David, haven't I been really good to you? And that's something we've got to keep in our mind as we fight against temptation is we need to look to the goodness of God. Often we are most prone to temptation when we are doubting God's goodness or when we are forgetting the good things that God has done for us. That's when we start to focus more on our desires or even what we think that we deserve. And we don't know exactly what David was thinking uh, when, when this happened, but clearly Nathan rebukes him by reminding him, has not God been good to you? So if you want to fight against temptation, focus on how God has been good to you. And may that be something that fuels you in this fight against temptation, but also look at the devastating consequences that this child that was conceived is going to die. And we even read the account of that um, in this chapter. Nathan then goes on to describe other consequences that God is going to have for David's sin. That That's what we're going to then go on to read about even starting uh, on Monday. As we go through these different chapters in the rest of this book, we're going to see even the consequences of David's sin manifesting itself in the next generation. And that should be a warning for us that the consequences of sexual sin might not just be for you, but they can have devastating effects on the next generation as well. And so as we read this very sad chapter, uh, it's we, we need to do more than just, oh man, that's a sad chapter. Let's, uh, I'm going to move on to the to Psalms or something like that. No, we need to heed the warning and know that, hey, we're going to continue to read some sad chapters. But the turning point was chapter 11, when David gives into that temptation, that that changed a lot about his life. 
And so I hope all of this arms you as, as you will face temptation, that you're reminded, no, God has been so good to me. And even though, especially sexual sin promises pleasure, look at this, all it does is bring pain. And I don't want that. Even in all of this, though, we do see a hint of God's mercy in this, that even though the son that was conceived in adultery with Bathsheba ends up dying, that Bathsheba then has another son with David, and his name is Solomon, and he does go on to be the king. And so there may be some of you listening, that you're uh, thinking through this chapter, and you're saying, well, hey, it, it's too late, because I, I Yes, I want to fight against temptation in the future, but there's ways in the past that I have failed and I maybe am still reaping some of the consequences of my sin. And we, one thing we know is we even think of Psalms like Psalm 32 or Psalm 51. There is forgiveness from God for sin. But even as there are consequences, like we will see with the life of David, even in the midst of those consequences, God can restore, God can still bring good things. And I hope that encourages you that, hey, some of this that you're reading today doesn't just arm you for temptation with the future. It really brings up guilt from the past. And again, look to God, make sure that sin is repented of and confessed, but trust that even in the midst of pain, that could still be a consequence of that sin. God can do good and God can restore. Uh, Let's move on now to a kind of a very different topic as we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this can be a confusing section of scripture, especially when we think about chapters 12 and chapters four and chapter 14. But right in the middle, there's this incredibly famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, which you probably know is all about love. And we will be getting to that next. But one thing in particular that I want to show you today is how that chapter is in the middle of these two chapters that are sometimes thought of as confusing for a reason. And even we're going to see the roots of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in our reading today, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, we see the rather famous analogy of the body used to describe the church. And we've already seen that this chapter is talking about spiritual gifts. And one point it is making is that there's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of activities. There's a variety of service. Different people in the body of Christ are doing different things for the common good. And today really tries to emphasize we can't start to act like, well, some people are more important than other people and you can't look down on other people or you can't look down on yourself and act like you're not necessary. No, we are a body and the body needs all of its parts, right? Just like you need all of the parts of your body, right? If everything's working, but all of a sudden your arm stops working, that's going to present a big problem. Uh, And so as we think about these things, we think, well, every part of the body is needed. But a couple verses I want to point your attention to is, well, I guess verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, right? That we are members of this body. And we need then to have that care for one another. And that's what he has just said, starting in the middle of verse 24, it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, 
all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And that's where I want us to start and see the roots of what we're going to get to in chapter 13, that it starts with, we are a body, we are connected. God has called us to care for one another. Do you care about the other people around you at church? Do you care about the people that you're serving with? Do you care about the people in your small group? Do you care about um, the people sitting next to you on Sunday morning at church? And if you think that's somebody else's job, then you're missing the whole point of this analogy. We are a body. Every part is needed. Every part needs to care. And so I hope that challenges all of us and really sets the table for what we will see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's move on now to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. And this psalm presents this incredibly mighty picture of God. But we're going to see a difference with how God acts towards his enemies and how God acts towards his friends. In chapter, in verse 1, as we look at the first 10 verses today, it says, God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered. And those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so shall you drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. And so we see there just right that that contrast right up front. That the God's enemies, they have reason to be afraid. God's friends, the righteous, they have reason to rejoice. And even the righteous that might not, from a worldly perspective, have a reason to rejoice, still do. It goes on to talk about God being the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows, right? Orphans and widows might be people that the world looks at and says, hey, they don't have much. But hey, if they're a friend of God, they've got a lot, And so God has a different mind towards the righteous, uh, really a different feeling towards the righteous than towards his enemies. And he has a particular uh, care for those like the widows and orphans, those that are are hurting. You know, we've we've seen Psalms also, God is near to the broken hearted. So where are you this morning? Are you uh, pushing your own agenda, an enemy of God? Then be afraid, repent and turn to God. Are you someone who has turned to God for forgiveness in repentance? Then rejoice because this mighty God whose enemies are scattered before him, you're on his side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Finally, we look at Mark chapter 12 and Jesus uses this analogy of a vineyard and it's very clear what he is doing. He is rebuking um, the religious leaders of the day, and it even says they they understood uh, that he was telling this parable about them. And uh, we think of tragic stories like the one we looked at in Second Samuel. Well, Jesus tells a pretty sad parable where the son of this vineyard owner is killed by the people that are supposed to be taking care of the vineyard. But let's remind ourselves how God used that for good in verse ten, where. Jesus says, have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it was, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God has used this rejection of Jesus to bring salvation to the world and let that be marvelous in our eyes. 
So let's look to God today. Let's rejoice in the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins and all of the tragedy around him is for our good. And let's also learn from the tra- this tragedy that we see in the life of David. And may it help us guard our hearts and guard our lives from temptation as well. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.